I just love it so much. I'm glad. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say in take three. It's going to be a lot of me talking. I hope you're ready. (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to it. Oh, Oh, my God. You're one to talk. Hey there. I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is take three, a movie podcast. Take one. Do you hear that? Yeah. I wonder if they can hear that. I have upstairs neighbors. God, one of them's dying or something. What is happening? You know, I moved out with the intention of having a space that I could, like... Avoid noise and stuff? Avoid noise. He could be, like, a quiet... So far, so bad. Quiet old man up in the mountains, like... (laughs) My God. That'd be amazing. No, but now we have car horns... Cat bells and upstairs neighbors. Maybe they're assembling furniture. <laughs> so yeah, I, if yeah, so I for the millionth time have moved, and uh, I've needed to build a lot of furniture. And thankfully, Nick has been helping me with it. But uh, I've had to build like a dresser and a nightstand and like a, a kitchen cart, and they all have like that. Uh, it's like a backing that you yeah. have to nail into. It's not like a regular piece. You have to like nail in this like sheet of. I don't know. And it's a lot of nails. And I always worry that my downstairs neighbors are concerned or like yeah. annoyed. But Or they could have been uh, like earlier today, we built a, a chair and they would have heard my like agonizing screams from like it not working. <laughs> there was one screw that was not yeah cooperating. We were literally like just sitting there trying to turn this thing and get it to catch for like what felt like about three or four days. <laughs> And I was like, no, please, <laughs> just do it, please, just, yeah, it was fun. They don't pay me enough around here. Nothing to do with the movie that we're, we're doing Yeah, for this episode. Um, I, I bet you we could tie it, if we had some time, I figured I could, I, I could probably tie it in somehow. I don't have a dilation, so yeah. get back to me on that one. <laughs> this movie is your favorite movie of all time. Right now it's my favorite movie of all time, uh. I just love it. I just love it. If only for, like, if you've not seen this movie before, watch it. But if you have seen this movie before, you know the scene that I'm talking about at the very end. That just blew my the goddamn mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It, like, reinvented the wheel for me. It was, it was, I've never seen or heard anything like that in my entire life. Yeah. I think that's, I think Take Three is going to be having to try to make some sense of that, though. There are a <laughs> well, lot of yeah. things in this movie that are like, I don't know what it is, it's but very, I love it. It's very up to interpretation, but this movie is gorgeous. Yeah. It's got um, a great cast that I'm just thrilled with. Yeah. I uh, I feel like in something else that we've recorded, we talked about the fact, I brought up the fact that this movie is like a, it's a spectacle led by women. Like yeah. that's, it's just like a team of women. And I think that is really cool. Mm-hmm. 
that it kind of didn't do as well is is actually like a, a bummer. Yeah, I mean that it didn't uh, make the waves that I think it deserves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an adaptation of a book. It is, and I was going to bring that up, but I figured that'd be better for uh, take two. But it is. I read the book that it was adapted from, and I like the movie better. Honestly, the the movie surpassed this. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing, though. It's like a trilogy of books, right? Yeah, it's a trilogy of books, but it seemed like um, the director took maybe the, the the synopsis of the book and then took it in a different direction, or gotcha. maybe took like the first third of the book and then took it in another direction. But it took it in a direction. It, but it took it in a direction that I think worked so much better. Yeah, I don't necessarily see them doing a uh, a sequel, but <laughs> just the fact that it is like a trilogy that was at least moderately successful book wise yeah, yeah. means that maybe someday we will get more I would annihilation. Hope so. I don't what are they called? Annihilation. Oh, uh, it's the Area X trilogy. It's Annihilation, um Insurgent. No, that's and Divergent. Mocking no. J Part Two. <laughs> no. Let me Google it really quick. Because okay. now I'm curious. Shout out to Google if they want to sponsor us. <laughs> Just um they won't return my phone calls. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there were books by Jeff Vandermeer. He did, let's see, bibliography. It was Annihilation, Authority, and Acceptance. Those were the... Oh, my God. Oh, that's all... actually cute. It ends with acceptance. That's yeah. what we all want everything to end with, right? Yeah. That's what we're all pushing towards. <laughs> yes. That's good. It's called the Southern Reach Trilogy. Like Annihilation, you don't think it's going to end like, oh, acceptance. Okay, we're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. All, you know, that's all we want. So then maybe... See, I haven't read, read the other two books, so maybe he incorporated some of the other two books into yeah probably. the movie maybe i'm not sure sense. well that makes me want to read them even more now but um but all these books came out in 2014 he wrote them all at once i don't think he wrote them all well maybe he you think he has literally like like he literally has like three hands and he's just writing them I, all i don't know several computers and shit <laughs> uh yeah this one came the acceptance the third one came out september 2nd 2014 Authority came like, out May 6, 2014, and Annihilation came out February. That's weird. It sounds like um, like James Patterson. He has like 18 yeah, books coming out yeah, a year. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not here to talk about the books. We're here to talk about the movie. Yes. Uh, great, great movie. I really – I can't say anything else about it except that it's just so good. I mean I'm, I'm pumped to see it. I'm pumped to – have a reason to really kind of research to try to figure out what the hell happens. Yes, yes. Because pretty much everyone – in that movie has something like remarkably strange happen to them and uh great cast great movie really pumped to talk more about it same here same here let's do it let's keep talking like this throughout the whole show i would rather not Ruth, I don't know if you guys can hear Ruth because I do a lot of like uh, sound like filters to drown out other noises, but Ruth just commented and she's excited as well. She is. She just meowed. I hope that got picked up. Ruth is our uh, our Take 3 AMP co-host and mascot. Mm-hmm. Um, she is Jordan's roommate's cat, and I don't know if you guys have heard us talk about her before, but she's really cool. She's awesome. Hello. Yes, hi. Yeah, we're talking about you. She cannot be bothered. Anyway, uh, let's begin. Okay. Oh, God. (laughs) Take two. Okay, so for those of you who have listened to our Hereditary podcast, you might remember that I kind of came out of that completely baffled and not really understanding uh, a lot of what was 
actually going on. And I think because that movie was so dark and disturbing and uh, so kind of painful to get through, it bothered me that I didn't understand it because it all didn't feel like it was for anything. Now, obviously, since we've worked it out and we, we've definitely done a lot of research into it, I now have a much brighter view of Hereditary, and I, I really do like that movie. This movie I'm completely baffled by, but I don't. it doesn't really matter to me. Like, to be honest with you, I genuinely enjoyed every moment of it, so it's like I'm not even upset that I don't understand what happened. Like, I just really look forward to finding out what happened. You know what I mean? I think to an extent it's supposed to be a little bit mysterious. Yeah. I went into this. Um, I have like a big iTunes movie collection, and uh, this is one of the ones that I bought. And going into like loading up iTunes and seeing my whole collection, I have like my top favorite movies I've, I've bought, obviously. And I'm and you asked me in the beginning. I think it, you said like, "Oh, so like this is your number one favorite movie of all time." And I'm looking at the other movies that I have. I have It Chapter One. I have uh, Bad Times of the El Royale. I have Contagion, among others. And uh, I think we had just watched Contagion for another episode. And I was like, oh, you know, I really don't know because I really loved Contagion. There was, I've been kind of mulling over it for a while. Not really sure if this was really steadfast number one anymore. And five minutes in, I was like, "I slap me in the face if I ever doubt the position of this movie in my list of favorite movies. It held up. Uh, it was everything that I wanted. It was everything that I remembered. I have This is probably like the sixth or seventh time I've seen this movie, and I learn something from it every single time. I've wrote so many notes about this movie just because I'm so thrilled and eager to learn everything that I can about it. I'm lucky that I have the iTunes copy because I have, hopefully uh, I'm not positive that there are like extra scenes or bonus scenes or anything that I can look into, but um, I'm just uh, speechless. Every single time I watch this movie, I am just so blown away. I, uh, no words. I just have no words. That is like the, I, I guess kind of like best response you can have to a movie, right? It's you know, it's flawless to me. Like even my, I have a list of favorite movies, and even my top four favorite movies, or no, my I guess my bottom four favorite movies are, they have flaws. Like they're not perfect movies. I cannot identify a single flaw in this movie. I, I can't. I, I truly cannot find a flaw. Yeah, it's no, perfect. I, <laughs> it's perfect. I'm glad you like it. Me too. Is the episode after this scream? Or is it the episode before this? Episode after. Okay, so I feel like uh, we're going to have a guest for uh, for that episode. Her name is Shelly. She's amazing. And I feel like both of you are going to probably take the lead in a lot of the discussions for this. So I really I don't feel bad about taking up a lot of the time for this movie because oh, I have yeah, a lot all to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I really I want you to be able to – I mean I feel like – when I when we did Halloween uh, in season one, I wrote seven pages of notes without doing any research. Yeah, it's yeah. just stuff I just knew, you know. Yep. So I like totally get that. I, I want you to to talk as much as you want to about it. And yeah, I got a lot to say. Cut I think, loose. Yeah. Oh my god. Here I come. Like here it goes. This just get ready because I'm about to spill. Um, <laughs> very often, I think about things that don't exist that exists things that we perceive or that we can't 
perceive or receive that exists. Uh, like if we didn't have eyes, we would have assumed that the world was black. Like it's, it's, we wouldn't have sort of known that colors existed because we just, like there was nothing there to have prompted us to say, Oh, eyes exist, but you don't have them. Like it just, it, we would assume that the world was black just because we simply didn't know any better. So I, always wonder like what is out there that exists that we just can't sense that we're sort of blind to. And I think that this movie really explores that idea. It's kind of thrilling because it's something unfamiliar, but in the end it's really just nature. I'm kind of giving the asteroid the benefit of the doubt by saying that it's not something that was built by a higher power. I think it was just like a loose, a loose asteroid with another that came from a planet with like another system of nature that we've never seen before. And it kind of like a cancer had an effect on our world and it's a form of nature that we haven't seen yet. And I I think that kind of viewpoint is both fascinating and beautiful, but also terrifying. And I think being a reflection of nature, I think Lena said something about like, it wasn't nightmarish. It was, it was beautiful sometimes. Um, And I think nature is both of those things. It can be completely scary, but it can, it can also be completely beautiful. And as a whole, I don't think it purposefully shows preference. It's not malicious. It just sort of exists in this perfect, like nature is a perfect system all in all. I don't think it has malicious intentions. I don't think it has good intentions. Just like Lena and Ventures were describing the creature, they said, I don't know if it wants or that it wants. It, it, it didn't really want anything. It just sort of mirrored me. It wasn't destroying. It was changing. Like it had no malicious intent. We just sort of see it as malicious because we don't really, we didn't have enough, a defense against it. It was kind of dangerous to us, but it's, it's this perfect personification of, of nature. I can't wait to explore these things because they're like I said, every time I see this movie, I know to something different. There's a tattoo that shifted from person to person. Uh, I want to know why her home and the house they wanted to explore in the shimmer looked so similar. Like that was clearly intentional. I want to know what the skeletons were that were planted in front of the lighthouse. I want to know what the alien represents. I want to know, like, I want to know what Natalie Portman was told to react to during the scene. I would literally sell every single one of my belongings to have been on the set on that day. Like to see... (laughs) I'm not even kidding. If if it yeah. were possible for me to to have been there that day, in a heartbeat, I would have. Like, I, I read that they had got a um, a dance choreographer to to do the alien to interact, and I was yeah, and I was thinking about uh, that scene and like that creature. It it had to have been just a person in a suit, but it looked yeah. so like, like otherworldly that I was mm-hmm. like, Oh shit, maybe that's CGI. Like I can't <laughs> tell. It was hard for me to the sort of beetle iridescent. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Texture. Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking like in the theater at that point, I was like, ah shit. Well, the people I'm with aren't going to like this anymore. Cause this is, this is, we've gone over the edge. <laughs> um, but it's the kind of strange, weird stuff that you just kind of have to like, I don't know, just just like look at it with reverence. You know, yeah. it's not when somebody takes like such a big swing and goes for it and shows you something or presents something on screen that is just outside the realm of anything that you thought you would ever see. It's like that in itself is really special. And again, yeah. I don't necessarily, you know, I don't, know, I don't really care to know what exactly the point of it was. Like Here's it was the thing. just this beautiful 
thing. I get that. I get that. Like some things are meant to, to just be beautiful or to sort of you have mysterious elements to them. I'm not out to dissect this movie piece by piece, but I do think that there are certain elements in this movie that the directors and writers intentionally put in to be represented or to represent something. And I absolutely, absolutely. I want to, I want to find out what, what that is like someone, a group of people literally sat down and I, I read the book. So I know the, the, I know the starting story to this movie and uh, it it kind of took the basic idea and ran in a completely different direction. And this is one of those rare cases where this movie, I think, was better than the book. It just it, it perfected it. It kind of it turned the story on its head and and gave it life. But like a group of people literally sat down, took this idea, and said, "We're gonna make a nature soup. Like we're gonna take, we're gonna turn the natural order into a def- a deck of cards, and we're gonna shuffle it." And we're gonna we're gonna mix the diamonds and the spades, and we're gonna mix the the clubs with the hearts, and just these cards are just gonna be this beautiful amalgamation of everything. We're just gonna we're gonna take every element of everything and just flip it and just give everything to everyone. <laughs> and we're gonna take the panic screams of a woman and we're gonna shove them into the voice box of a bear. And they did that. Like this movie is it's it's a perfect it's everything that nature is. It was both terrifying and beautiful at the same time. It was nightmarish, but it was also dreamlike and surreal. And it it offered something in the end that we have never seen before. And it's not something that I feel like anyone could have, like clearly someone did imagine it because like we saw it, but it was, it, it was that feeling of like, we don't know what's out there because we have no reference for it. We have no it's not like something we knew in the past that we now don't have that we yearn for. Like we literally did not know that this existed and it it gave it to us. It like wrapped it up in this beautiful present and it handed it, they gave it right to me. They, they made this movie for me and it, it just, it was perfect in every way. And this is my favorite movie of all time. If you, if, if you've gotten this far and you have not watched it, what the hell are you doing? This is illegal. (laughs) So I, I have a couple of things to say about your particular point. I, the person, I guess, most responsible um, for this movie is the writer-director. His name is Alex Garland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the book was written by someone else. What did you call uh, What did you say his name? Vandermeer. Uh, Jane... Jeff? Jeff Vandermeer, yes. Jeff, okay, yeah. But Alex Garland wrote it for the screen and directed it. And um, I know that he said that he didn't like reread it when he was trying to adapt it. He said that he wanted it to feel more like a dream Mm -hmm. of the book. So I can understand why, you know, it doesn't necessarily line up with the book. I was telling you this story actually during the movie and I think, I think they should hear it. So when this movie uh, went before test audiences, the studio was worried that it would be deemed too long, too cerebral, too intellectual, and advised a bunch of edits. One of the producers and Alex Garland were advocating that, you know, it not be changed, that they be allowed to keep the movie as is. They fought for it, and eventually, with the backing of this producer, Scott Rudin, were allowed to keep the movie as is. I mean, this movie didn't wind up being a ginormous success. Actually, Paramount wound up selling the international 
distribution rights to Netflix. So it kind of halted this movie's capability to make money overseas. But I think what yeah. was what was important is the statement that was made in that. And what I mean by that is like I think Alex Garland and his producer took a stand and said, you know what, this is the movie we want to make. I don't care if this makes money. I don't care if this turns people off because it is to this or to that. This is the story we're going to tell. And in their eyes, it was magnificent. And in my eyes, it's magnificent as well. This is one of those movies that we actually had the conversation like, is this going to be something that people are going to listen to? And I think yeah. we both just came down to you know the decision that we don't really care like this is just one of the episodes that we're talking about because we want to. Yeah, absolutely. And not because we think that, you know, tons and tons and tons of people are going to flock to this particular episode. Right. So the way I saw it, I had to do my favorite movie. Yeah. I kind of am using this as maybe an advertising tool to get more people to watch it. If you have Amazon Prime, it's free on Prime as this uh, is being recorded at least. But like we did take a poll and this movie did get votes like this. Yeah. People were interested in this movie, which thrilled me. I thought that was amazing. And thank you to everyone who voted for this. But that sort of rekindled my hope and my motivation to, to do this movie, because I think I think more people than we realize will be interested in an episode. So I know we ask this every episode. Obviously, this one, I'm I'm much more interested in hearing people's thoughts. If you didn't like this movie, I'm dying to know why. Uh, I know there are some people that I've discussed this movie with and they were not the most thrilled with it. And I like, I'm dying to know why I really, really, I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear if you did like it. I want to know why you liked it. Reach out to us. Let's, let's discuss it. I saw this movie in theaters probably four times just because that end scene, I wanted to get that in. Like, I just wanted it to surround me as often as I could before it went out of theaters in between my last viewing of this and now, I learned much more about viruses. I know we've talked about that before. Uh, I've learned much more about uh, biology. I'm not an expert by any means, but yeah has our has our virus episode come out yet? Uh, let me. I have no idea if it, if it is a, because that's a tease. <laughs> we have a we have an episode on. It would have been, oh, so we have it labeled. So this is an advertisement for our Patreon. This is the episode that we released last week. It was released on our Patreon. It was a virus quick take, and we reviewed the movies Contagion and World War Z. And you should definitely check those out because that was a fun episode. Those yeah. are both great movies. So that was last week. Um, We're shooting all of this yeah. shit out of order. So uh. it is it, it is kind of scrambled. But um, but yeah, I I really, like for some reason, I just got this – this bite to uh, to explore viruses and stuff, and I think it's fascinating. I think biology is fascinating, uh, and I don't remember where I was going with this point. Oh, 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 oh! So, uh, watching this movie again, there was a scene where they were both sitting on the couch and they were both reading books, and Lena, uh, Natalie Portman's character, was reading the um, the Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. And in between my last viewing of this movie and this viewing of this movie. I had watched the the I guess the, it was a, considered a biopic, right? Yeah. Of um, it had Oprah Winfrey in it, and learned about the Henrietta Lacks cells and how fascinating and important her cells were. And that's something I'll explore in take three as well. But that's definitely something looking that I'm looking forward to discussing. That I think is interesting. I think a lot of people are going to find that really really cool. So, oh, I'm just oh, I'm so thrilled. This is like the perfect ending to this night. Like I. I just love it so much. I'm glad. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say in take three. 
It's going to be a lot of me talking. I hope you're ready. <laughs> I'm used to it. Oh, oh bitch. my God. You're one to talk. Take three. So I have been rewatching Parks and Recreation. Oh, I love that show. I have not too. finished it yet. I haven't I haven't watched it all the way through yet, but you really should. It I don't really like I'm I'm not at the end yet and I don't like I kinda remember how it ends, but not not really. Um but it's so funny. And uh yeah, it's a good I, one. I was watching it the other night and I realized that I had never brought something up to you and, and like it kind of explained myself. I know that I say literally a lot. Uh, oh, like um, I don't know the actor's name. Rob Lowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he plays a character I named literally... Chris Traeger. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I was like, I wanted to explain that that character was so funny to me when it came <laughs> on that I would, you know, jokingly talk like him, and that's it. it just worked into my vocabulary, and now I say literally way too much, and it, <laughs> it's not even like in his tone or anything like that it's just like that's just you a just word that is really. yeah constantly coming out of my mouth and i was just i like it clicked in my head and i was like you know what fuck i remember that like that bastard made me um he like affected my speech he had a prolonged effect on me that is literally the most interesting story i've ever heard <laughs> I, I i did enjoy his character he was fun yes um, but what, really what made you it. like Think why introduce this episode that way? Like, what? Oh, made you I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> nah, literally, I don't know. I was just thinking about it the other night, and I was like, you know what? I should bring that up to him at some point. And this is the uh, you decided to yeah. take precious podcast time to this tell is, me. Thanks, appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Um, I haven't. I haven't. Like, yeah. No, I was like, I haven't taken it up, but yeah, I have. <laughs> I'm looking at the bars. I'm like, yeah, this took a little bit. <laughs> Okay, so Annihilation, we're in take three. We're doing stuff. We're getting things done. We did some research, and uh, I think it would be, I think I would be remiss to say that I was a little hesitant about going, like, overboard in this just because I knew that you were going to have a lot to say, and I didn't want to. If anyone's going overboard in this in this section, it's going to be me. Yeah. So <laughs> I have a lot to say. <laughs> no, and that's what I was thinking. And I'm like, okay, well, you can't have like a two-hour episode. Uh, so, but I, I definitely have some interesting points, and I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing them with you. Let's hear them. Yeah. So um, first off, we can talk, like I normally do, about the budget versus what the actual film made. This film cost $40 million to make. And it's understandable because of like the CGI aspects to it. Obviously, there's there's like a, a very good use of CGI. It has some pretty decently uh, named actresses in it and actors, honestly. So it's understandable that it could cost around $40 million. It's not like a huge budget, but it's decent, I think. Now, unfortunately, the movie only made $32 million, 32.7. So, for you guys who, I, I know I've talked about this before, but basically a movie studio really only gets about half of what a movie makes because the other half goes to the theaters. It kind of breaks down where it's not, it's never really like a hard and fast, you know, right down the middle, but the way that the deals normally shake out 
it's about that. Overseas, it's different. It can wind up more going to over the overseas exhibitors. and But this movie didn't even make one time its budget. It would have needed to make $80 million to break even. And that number is so small, possibly because, if you remember, like I said before, uh, Paramount sold the foreign distribution rights to Netflix, which means it couldn't make any money in other markets. Right. So it was just domestically that it was able to pull in this money. Now, the movie did do good with critics. It has an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But it's sad because the first Rotten review that I actually saw was from an individual critic in London, which, again, overseas, you had to watch it on Netflix. They remarked that it was clear that this movie was meant to be seen on a big screen. That was like the first thing they said. So it's a bummer that so many people overseas, I think this movie could have done even better if it was shown to them like it was supposed to be shown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So then whose fault is that? Is that the director's fault for selling it to Netflix? No, the director has nothing to do with it being sold. The director stood his ground with the producer, Scott Rudin, Alex Garland and Scott Rudin. We talked about this in take two. It was basically... Instead of listening to test audiences and listening to producers and making it more palatable to audiences, they stood firm and said, hey, we made a movie that we want to make and we're going to release it. The studio, I guess, was like, all right, that's fine, but it's not – I don't think it's viable. You know what I mean? So they kind of cut their losses and sold – instead of promoting it overseas and and – distributing it overseas and everything they just sold him to netflix because they didn't think it was going to make you know that much money they basically it's hard to pin blame on any one person because like i totally stand with the creative team who wanted to stick to their movie because i want you know i wound up absolutely loving the movie yeah but it's it's completely within paramount's right to make the best financial decision that they think you know but clearly it, it didn't work out. You know what I mean? The movie didn't make that much money. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about box office disappointments. Because like with a film like this that's so good on its own and doesn't really set up a sequel. I mean Alex Garland even said that when he started working on this movie there was only one book. And he didn't really see it as a trilogy. So that's that means that this whole production started five years ago. The first book came out in February yeah, of 2014. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. kind of insane. What year did it come out? Was it eight? It was, it was last year, right? It was 2018? I think so, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Sorry, continue. No, you're fine. I just, I guess with all of that, with this movie essentially being a standalone film, does it being a box office disappointment affect you at all? I mean, you obviously have little to no skin in the game. No. No. I mean, so my immediate thought was the fact that, like, I wish, obviously, I wish it would make more money, but I'm afraid that if it did make its income back, they would have thought, oh, this is great. Now let's make a sequel. And I'm not sure, like, they would have to really work hard to top the original for me. Okay. I, like, I don't even know if I would want them to risk making a sequel of this movie. I think it's great on its own. But no, like immediately it doesn't affect my like enjoyment of this movie at all. So the reason I ask that is because very often you get, you know, uh, at least people 
in in our sphere, like people that talk about this kind of stuff and and are interested in movies and how movies work, want a movie to be successful for a couple of reasons, and one of them is normally to get a sequel. And because that's not you know an issue right right here, we don't really think that this was gearing up for a sequel. That wasn't something that you wanted. Um, that's what's put that aside. Another reason is because you want Alex Garland and Natalie Portman and Tessa Thompson and Jennifer Jason Lee, you know what I mean? And, and Gina Rodriguez and Tana Bonnie like to all have a hit on their hands. Yeah, true. You know yeah. what I mean? They yeah. you want them to have a bona fide, a bona fide money making movie to put on their resumes so that they can go on and do bigger and better things and not even them like now that i th- I completely take back my answer like i kind of wish that it did make more money because then i feel like it would encourage not just alex garland who's the director but maybe other directors to take risks and take chances yeah on more experimental ideas because i think that's really lacking in movies today so yeah i, I guess it does like I don't know if uh, your answer actually has influenced my point because I think my I didn't even really consider that aspect of it. Like you obviously want, you know, when a movie spends two hundred million dollars, you would hope that it's able to recoup because that's just an unbelievable amount of money to lose. It's kind of a, right. a bummer, especially, you know, in some sort of franchise or whatever. But when a movie, you know, or when people are telling these very personal stories in this mid-range budget. Um, we want those to do good because essentially we don't want these movies to disappear. We don't want them to only be able to be found on Netflix. Uh, because right now, it seems almost as if what's happening is the small movies that are like under $10 million, you know, maybe if some of them maybe get through and get seen in theaters, but most of them are shown at festivals or um, in theaters for Oscar consideration. You know what I mean? They don't necessarily find distribution in theaters. They they get released. They get pushed um, to streaming or on demand or something like that. Now, what seems to be happening is is that those that the forty million mid range budget movie is also heading that way as well because. It seems like the what people really want to see nowadays and what people are paying for are the big $200 million Marvel, Disney, you know, superhero, um, big epic blockbustery kind of movies. So I think it, it, it just says something about like being able to continue telling like personal stories without having to uh, let or without having to deal with, you know, only getting $3 million to make your movie. You know, this movie kind of did something interesting that, like, I don't know if it was even purposeful because it was based on a book, but something that I am applauding the Joker, which comes out in October, that's also doing. Basically, you're telling this this very personal story, this small personal character study of a story, but you're setting, you're, you're, you're also realizing that your people need to come see this thing. So the Joker is telling this story, but it also happens to include a famous Batman villain. And this movie also happens to be this sci-fi like spectacle of a story. You know what I mean? So I think like that's actually 
that's probably the way that it's going to have to go. Like movies are going to have to tell movies that want to tell these stories are going to have to infuse or at least meet people halfway. Um, and I thought this movie would have done better. I'm surprised that it did, didn't do as well. I, I understand that it's a little bit too cerebral and too, you know, uh, inside baseball for some people, but it's also really well done. I certainly encourage movies like this. I love movies that make me think. I, I feel like I've even talked to you about this. It's kind of like if I don't understand it, then to me it's sort of way smarter than I am and therefore I admire it more. So I tend to gravitate towards things that I just don't understand and then I just want to learn about them even more. So I don't know. I love seeing movies like that. I, I, the movie, uh, oh God, uh, Jennifer Lawrence was in it. Mother, I think it's called. I think yeah, it's just Mother. mother. Um, like movies like that that are really open-ended and very symbolic and stuff. And I don't know. I love things like that. And I think because it didn't make as much and because it was so restricted from being sold and not being able to play overseas, I think that does that does bum me out a little bit. Because I, I want I want it to be successful and I yeah. want people to be encouraged to make more stuff like that. But exactly, like fans of those movies. I guess have to acknowledge that the, they're not pal- palatable to the masses. So you're not going to you're not going to get a big a big number so you can't spend a ton of money on them and then studios are more reluctant to make them and it's just I don't know. It's it's really something that like this movie took a really good shot and had a really good plan and I think did a really good job of telling a story that got me as a sci-fi fan and got me as someone who like likes good storytelling that and, and a horror just, fan. Yeah. And it just didn't, it, it just didn't make its money because I think he got into a pissing match with the studio. I don't know. I mean, that could, it doesn't, I'm not necessarily saying that that's a hundred percent the reason, but that's what it looks like to me. All the, all the information I have seems to be like, Oh, you're not going to change your movie. Okay. Well, we're not going to distribute it overseas. You know, that's so that sucks. Yeah, it's a bummer, but um, we can move on. I'm I'm sure you have notes on the commentary that this movie offers about self destruction, like that our self destructive behaviors are just yeah. dangerous. Yeah. yeah, you used a trigger word though. I, I looked up. I think in the last episode when we did it, chapter one, I found like last minute, uh, <laughs> like the whole movie commentary. Like there was a commentary available for the movie, and I knew that this movie was coming up, and I checked to see if this one had it, and it didn't, and I was super bummed. I oh, wish this one had a commentary. I commentary. I was like, what, what trigger word? I got you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yes, I do. I do, yeah. But basically, you know, my point was just that it was about our destructive behaviors being just as dangerous as a disease where self-destruction is taking place on a cellular level. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, whether it be cheating, addiction, self-mutilation, all of these attributes eventually lead these women to venturing into this hellscape that is the shimmer. And... That they know that they're not going to come out of. Like no yeah. one's, no one from any expedition has come back except for one person, and he's in critical condition. So like exactly, that was a part of my notes too. Like every single one of these people know how dangerous this mission is, yet they go in anyway. So yeah, and it, it, you, it's it's like you're kind of at first wondering why these particular people, but they lay it out for you. I mean, it's like they don't really have anything else to lose. They, mm-hmm. they're, they're going in searching for something, but I think, I don't know. There's, there's definitely a finality to it. And each of, each of their 
demises that makes me feel like, yes, they put themselves here. Well, I guess we'll talk a little bit later. It kind of plays into one of my favorite characters, or definitely my favorite character, but my favorite line in the film, um, I think is very like accepting of, of the fact that like I came here and like I was fully aware what I was getting myself into. And it's, it's destructive that we can be just as destructive as any disease. What was your favorite line? So <laughs> Josie Raddick, who is Tessa Thompson yes, uh, love her. is, yeah, she's talking to Natalie Portman and they're, they're at the house. They're outside of the house that they wind up at. And they're just talking about the shimmer in general. And she says, Ventress wants to face it. Ventress is, is Jennifer Jason Lee's character. Yeah. yeah. You want to fight it. Ventress wants to face it. You want to fight it. But I don't think I want either of those things. And then she literally walks away and turns into a topiary. And I was <laughs> like, oh, my God. I love her. so. She's so good. Like, there are some other lines from her in this movie that I'm just, I don't know. Like, she's she's definitely my favorite character she's uh yeah the whole hawks gene conversation yeah. is incredible to me i love her as well it's also very disturbing this particular scene because it, it, it's easy to kind of like not listen to her because she's growing grass out of her skin at this point and her skin is doing something and that is the most disturbing gross thing to me like um i was i was when i was little I'm not ashamed of this. I watched Grey's Anatomy like up until like four or five years ago. And I eventually will catch up when it ends. But <laughs> there was one episode and I guess I was like a teenager and this guy came in and he had the tree disease that makes you like grow bark on your skin. Mm-hmm. And something about that is the most horrific thing. Like that is <laughs> so, uh, I should have, I, you know, we talked about our fears in the it episode and I like should have totally brought that up. I did not, but that would also like uh, Pennywise could turn me into a tree or some shit and I would <laughs> lose my heart would stop. So when she was doing all that stuff, it, it was, it was very, very hard to pay attention Yeah, <laughs> because I'm like, stop, what is, what is happening to her? What is happening to her? But like, but, uh, there's some beauty to that. I mean, it was yeah. the first time in the movie where she actually took off her sleeves and yeah. was sort of vulnerable. And you can tell that she was sort of giving herself up to whatever this may be exactly exactly it like it she was just acknowledging that like this is it like this is i don't i don't really i just i just want to let it happen Mm -hmm. and um i mean i guess that's kind of self-destructive but i guess it also is kind of like peaceful right like what you yeah what you said like it's it does lead to her demise but just in this form i don't know what you know but I, I think demise is the wrong word because it's not – and I'll explain. I have a huge rant coming after in a bit. But I I don't think it's a demise. I think it's a – just a change. There's a – Well, yeah. A, I said a, this – that's why I said like in this form. I, I don't know what happens to yeah. her. Like nobody really like knows for sure but – Right, right. Whenever um, Lena was talking to that guy in the white suit and he was saying, you know, what did it – uh, what did it want? Uh, it was destroying things. And she was like, no, he didn't, it didn't want anything. It, it was changing things. It wasn't destroying them. And I think, I think it's just a different, I don't know. I don't like to think that she died. I think I like to think that she accepted the fact that she now became a part of this new system. Yeah. But like, uh, at a, at a very surface level, she turned into a human with a beat or she turned from a human with a beating heart into 
some plants. So into you know some what I plants mean? with like it's still alive. I would like to yeah. think. I don't know. I, I understand though. I, I she left know. the movie. That was when Tessa Thompson <laughs> left the set. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, no, I that that line is just regardless of how uneasy I felt during it. It was very it grabbed me, and that's yeah. my favorite line. What, oh, what is your favorite line? <laughs> I have two. <laughs> Of course you fucking do. <laughs> God damn it. One's the first one's more of a joke, but uh it's when she's it's when Lena's in bed and they're talking about cells and how they die or don't die, and she says, You take a cell, circumvent the hayflick limit, you can prevent senescence. <laughs> and then he's like, I was just about to make the same observation, like being a being a dick, and she was she goes on to her spiel saying it means the cell doesn't grow old, it becomes immortal kind of thing. Um, oh gotcha gotcha yeah 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 i was like i don't understand what she said what she meant either <laughs> i think every time i've seen that movie i kind of miss what she says there because it kind of is like mumbled and i'm like i don't she just said something scientific but the actual line that i like best is when ventress is in the very end and she kind of has that like a uh, black face kind of thing it's like a reflective like I think it's the alien it's like it's sort yeah, of like the yeah. alien's face but she has like the hair and the clothes and everything she says it's the last phase, vanished into havoc, unfathomable mind, and now begin, now see. Apparently it's a quote by Samuel Beckett in his book Malloy. It's a French translated book. Uh, I'm not really entirely sure what it's about, but um, just that whole ending where she she's talking to Lena and she's like, you know, what did we say that like I wanted to I wanted to see what it was and and now it's like inside me and um, that was just like a really cool transitional. Yeah part in the story that and I it just leads loved. into like the most groundbreaking thing ever yeah like oh absolutely it's without like, what doubt. am i looking at yeah yeah um, did you have any anything else yeah i think i'll finish mine up and then just let you um go loose okay does that sound okay. right okay sounds fine you know i was making a pretty big deal earlier in this episode about the team of explorers being all women and how i thought that that was really important and I think it's also important that they are five strong but very relatable women who aren't uh, there to be tokens or like eye candy. They're there because they're like qualified to be there. And then yeah. I was thinking more about women in sci-fi in general. And something occurred to me that I'm going to demonstrate hopefully with the question I'm about to ask you. Right? Oh, God. Okay. Outside of Star Wars or like Star Trek. Name one iconic sci-fi character. What's uh, Sigourney Weaver's character in Alien? Ellen Ripley. Yes. Okay. Now name another one. Uh, um, see, I haven't really seen these movies, but like, what comes to mind is that really like she's holding like a gun, and she's it's in the Terminator movies. Who's like the the mom? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'll eventually get you to see those movies. Sarah Connor. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's kind of my point. Basically, my point is that the sci-fi is a genre wherein there aren't enough female characters. However, the ones that seem to have stood the test of time are actually female. Like, And in my opinion, the women in Annihilation who are fleshed out characters at the at, – who are fleshed out characters first and women second, you know what I mean? Uh, are their worthy descendants and torch carriers for characters like Ellen Ripley and Sarah Connor and like Trinity from the matrix who are, are characters that aren't just 
that aren't like genderless. It's not about, uh, you know, oh, this could be played by a man. The womanhood is important, but it's not their only trait. And they're not consistently having to play against type, I guess. So then uh, does it pass the, what is it, the Bechtel test? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what the is Bechtel that? test is like, I think it, uh, women have to, two women have to be on screen talking to each other for a certain period of time, but it really doesn't matter because it this movie definitely passes that. They have to be talking uh, to each other about something other than a boy. So mm, like okay. there, are, there are movies that are girl power feminist movies that don't pass that. That are, you know, that are, it doesn't necessarily, it's not a measure of like whether your movie is, is feminist or not, but it's actually really cool when you can notice that, you know, especially a movie that's in the sci-fi realm passing something like that, because again, not enough women in sci-fi. So I think it's time to turn you loose. Like, I really want to hear what you have to say about this. He told me that he had a lot to say earlier and I, um, well, you were editing very excited. You were editing take one and take two, and well, you sent me take one to review, and then as you were editing take two, you were like, God, your monologue in this is beautiful. And I was like, I don't really remember a monologue, Uh, but then I'm like reviewing it and I'm researching for this, and here I am typing out like this huge monologue, this huge like mind rant. Um, (laughs) But before... But I guess I guess what was beautiful about it to me is that it didn't it wasn't like it felt to me almost like like somebody who like like a professional critic wrote it. But it was just coming out of your head. You know what I mean? And you were just like just delivering it. And I was like, wow, okay, this is actually really (laughs) impressive. Like I've always known you were very articulate and well spoken. But um, I don't know. It just impressed me. I don't mean to like. Uh, embarrass you or anything. No, that's okay. No, I appreciate that, but hopefully I can keep up that momentum with this because I have quite a few other uh, mind rants. But before I get into those, I kind of wanted just to go over like the general themes in this, which are probably pretty obvious. And I know we brought them up earlier, but there's sort of a theme of division. And I'm going to shout out Joe if he's listening. Uh, I think he offered or he wanted to be a guest on this episode because he wanted us to do a, a duet or a trio singing the helplessly hoping song <laughs> which is perfect by the way and if you listen to that song it has so many connections with this movie like it, it they could not have chosen a more perfect song and if you listen to the lyrics when it's on screen it actually kind of that like the story that's happening is exactly what the lyrics are singing about which we discovered when we watched it it was amazing yeah um but this idea of division uh being one as a couple meaning uh Lena and Kane splitting into two as Lena cheats and Kane kind of finds out and goes off to his mission. Shepard uh, splitting herself, commenting that it's two bereavements when you lose a child. When she was in the boat and she was saying how um, it's kind of two losses, you kind of lose uh, your child and then you lose the person you once were. And she sort of split from her past self and is now this completely different person. Uh, We're shown the idea of refraction very early on with the glass of water, both on the dining room table when Lena and the alien Kane are talking, like when he takes a sip of water and the blood is on the glass. That's like you can see their hands through the water and the lights refracted. And also when Lena is being interviewed in that uh, chamber with the men in the white suits. And then 
someone in a video called the big like blob at the end in the alien scene they called it the mandel bulb which i can assume means uh, they're pulling from mandala which is like a geometric uh, symmetric design and I, I love that name for it the mandel bulb but it was pretty much designed beautifully it, it used fractals which is absolutely something found everywhere in nature it's something that we studied in design school about you know like the golden ratio and all that kind of stuff but um and then there's this theme of destruction um i know there were a few sources that i found that said that cancer is a really big theme here it's something that lena was lecturing about in the beginning and it's revealed that ventress had it which sort of motivated which sort of motivated her to find out the center of the shimmer because I, I she just really she didn't really have much else to to lose at that point and the shimmer itself can kind of be seen as like a growing tumor, which is sort of altering and mutating the cells that it comes into contact with. And the teams that were exploring the shimmer could sort of represent the different ways of attacking cancer within the body. And even how with Lena and Kane leaving the shimmer, it's really not that uncommon for cancer to kind of come back and resurface sometimes, unfortunately. Uh, Self-destruction is also pretty prevalent. The obvious examples being erratic self-harm, Thornton's substance abuse, and Lena cheating on her husband, which I think you've, you've pretty much covered. And then the movie ends with Lena setting a bomb off in her own reflection. It's sort of like a literal representation of her self-destructing. Like she puts yeah. a bomb into her own hands and, and lets it explode. And then to even accept this mission to travel into the Shimmer, like I said, it's its own form of self-destruction as all of these women are completely aware that no one has made it out except for Kane and... And, you know, again, all the purposes for accepting the mission vary. And then the tattoo on Lena's arm that appears on a few others in the film, including Anya, I believe. Taya Novotny. Taya Novotny. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> well, she she had the tattoo on her arm, and it also showed up on the soldier that had the snake intestines. Yeah. Uh, and then it showed up on on Lena's arm as well. And it's a snake as an infinity symbol, but it's eating its tail, which, I mean, self-destruction. Self-destruction, yeah. It was right there, yeah. So those are sort of the obvious um, themes and stuff that I that I found on the movie, and the rest is sort of just my mind rambles, so. <laughs> okay, good. I'm excited. <laughs> Bear with me. Let me know, and, like, jump in if you ever, if you have, like, a discussion or anything. But Okay. Please do. Like, let's talk about this. I don't want to just, like, ramble for, <laughs> for forever. <laughs> Like, you know me, and you know my opinions about humans as a species. I think we are flawed. I don't really like the idea of us. I think we're very selfish, and I think we're very greedy and gluttonous. And I think it is absolutely outrageous and ignorant to believe that, like, we are superior or in control in nature. And to, like, put our lives above animals or insects or treat them treat either of them as if they don't have like feelings or emotions or can feel pain is like the epitome of stupidity in my opinion. Like I can't stand people who, who don't have like sympathy for, for the other creatures that live with us. Yeah. And while it is nature's nature to survive, I think, I feel like I said this in take two, it's sort of translated as negative or aggressive. Uh, the, like this whole circle of life thing, the lion devouring the antelope or just the idea of death in general, I think it's all a part of this perfect system. And because maybe we don't understand it completely, I think we fear it a little bit. So I feel like death 
And uh, like when you're a kid and you find out that like the lion has to eat, so it's got it like the antelope has to die in order for that lion to eat. Like it's sort of a jarring idea and it sort of comes off as negative, but in nature that's just sort of how it works. And the discussion between Lena and the man in the white suit at the very end was very interesting to me because I feel like it's a conversation between two very opposing schools of thought. And the first school of thought is the man in the white suit. And we can assume that he is like a part of the government and it's clear that he has made assumptions about the meteor or the alien before he fully understood it. And his questions are all formatted in a way that will help him better understand the alien as it pertains to himself and the world that he knows. He's asking about its physical form. He was asked if it was carbon-based like us. I think he, he was very much trying to associate it with something that he found familiar. And he asked what the alien wanted. He assumed that this alien came here because it wanted something from us. He knows it attacked Lena, which in his mind immediately translates to dangerous. Um, he's the human race in this equation. I think we're always so quick to be afraid of things that we don't understand, and we often attack those things or try to eliminate them. And the Iron Giant immediately comes to mind. Remember when, I think his name is Kent Mansley, he he launches the nuke at at the, at the big robot because he assumes it's this dangerous entity without really yeah. considering yeah. the lives of the town that it's in. He just does it because he just wants to get rid of it because he's scared of it. Um, without sort of understanding it, like you fear um, what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's a problem. That's a huge problem with society today. I mean, like on a uh, on a level that uh, science fiction really has nothing to do with. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. We fear what we, or society fears what it doesn't know, and like right. Americans, like exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, so this this guy in the white suit, he says it came here for a reason. Uh, trying to argue with Lena and it is so clear that he's convinced that this mysterious thing came here to attack us or had some agenda against us because he was afraid of it. He thinks it was mutating our environment. It was destroying everything. And he's not even considering anything other than this is a malicious force. Now, if you look at the second half of this discussion, um, it's Lena and she sort of, I think she represents sort of nature's tendencies in this in this scenario, she's answering all of his questions in a way that show the audience that this thing came to earth and did not have malicious intent. It was, it, it just quite literally was, it just happened. It didn't want anything. It didn't attack her. It mirrored her. It adapted to her. It adapted to its surroundings, just like everything in nature does, including humans. And she said it wasn't destroying everything. It was just changing everything and it was making something new and at the very core of this, it was purely just existing. Um, and I think the alien is fascinating because it does sort of mirror us as a race. And after the bomb went off and Lena ran out, the alien didn't really know how to deal with this new thing called fire. And you can kind of see it stumbling uh, and it kind of went around touching everything and destroying everything in its path, destroying its home, really, and then lied down in the middle of it all and took a nap without thinking twice about it and is qu quite literally a reflection of humanity. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's Does that make any sense or am I just No, like, no. I, I, yeah, sorry for saying no. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, am, I, I guess I'm just, like, gobsmacked that you <laughs> – uh, that was very that was very impressive i think that like you kind of laying this out has got me rethinking the ending a little bit 
and I want to know what your thoughts are on, like, at the end of this, by the end of this, like, is it completely out of the realm of possibility that it's they're standing there, like Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac, are they both aliens or like here's what i think and this is it seems so clear to me but i feel like a lot of the videos that i watched and researched a lot of the titles were like oh ending of of um of annihilation explained and it's like i didn't think it was not very clear but to me we literally saw lena destroying the alien lena escaped i do think and we literally saw Cain kill himself literally. while the alien version, literally, yes, <laughs> um, while the alien version like left. I think Cain is an alien, but I do think that Lena has the shimmer still with within her, and we know this yeah. to be true because she looked at her blood and her eyes started to glow at the end. That just it seemed like that was sort of the obvious answer to me. So, is there a possibility that if the shimmer is still in her? that it could be leading her to say things like, oh, it's not harmful. It's- Don't. <laughs> I'm going to stop you right there because you're going to ruin the end of this movie for me. <laughs> I know exactly the direction you're going. Like, I did, choose- this, did this actually be malicious? And it's just, you know, the only person we've actually heard from is someone who came face to face with it and clearly is affected by it. But even, even so if we, if we run with the assumption that Cain is the alien as well. He went back to Lena. Like he did exactly what he was ordered to do. He didn't really set out to, I don't know. No, I don't, I don't think whatever conclusion you're trying to draw right now is, is true. I think it's just, I'm not drawing any conclusions. I'm just pointing out that it seems like, you know, these two individuals clearly affected by the shimmer, regardless of whether or not they are these, you know, uh, these aliens in disguise. I mean, we also saw Oscar Isaacs blow up and, you know, something just like him came out. So, like, it just doesn't seem like outside of the realm of possibility. Like, that, maybe. I, I I don't know. I just, I'm like, sorry, I don't want to ruin the end of this movie. No, I just, I mean, whatever you're trying to say, I don't, I don't agree with. Just because the behavior that the alien showed at the end... Like everything that she was saying to the man in the white was like completely true. So, but she's just telling a story. Yeah, but she's telling him like what the alien was doing. She said it wasn't, it didn't really want anything. It didn't, it only attacked me because it was mirroring me and I attacked it. So, like, okay, but my point is that like it's a story told by somebody who is clearly affected by this alien. So, like, there's a possibility that the story that we saw, the story that the, that is the movie that Natalie Portman's character was actually telling maybe wasn't, do you know what I mean? Like maybe wasn't sure. like the whole thing. But I think even I then that's a stretch. <laughs> what? I don't know. I just think even then that's a stretch. Yeah, no, no, no. I agree. I just thought it was interesting to think of. There's another sort of personal story that I connected to this as well. As a child, I think like growing up, I was really obsessed with the idea of coming up with something like new and revolutionary and growing up, I realized that's sort of impossible. I feel like any kind of art is, is borrowed or inspired by something else. Like nothing under the sun is completely original, but I think I recognized the idea of a trope from very early on, like before I even knew that it had a name 
and it's clear like with my discussions from horror movies, which I'm sure you're tired of hearing about, but I was able to recognize like patterns and I was able to both like replicate those patterns in order to like bullshit my way through life and impress people, but also recognize like when they became cheesy and overdone. I think the way that I was able to explain this to myself was for some reason I grabbed onto the image of aliens in movies and I never understood why in almost every movie this foreign organism from billions of miles away has a head, it has two arms, it has two hands, it has a torso, it has two legs, and it has two feet. Maybe they were completely humanoid, but maybe they had like scales or green skin or blue skin or like a third eye or a tail. But like overall, they were very human. Like if you're going to design something that's not from this earth, why are you going to base it on something that's from earth? And unfortunately, the biggest culprit of this, I think, is Marvel. The Captain Marvel aliens, I don't remember what what they're called. What are those called again? Skrulls. Get, get off Hated my... them. Hated oh them. They are literal shapeshifters. Yeah. And they look just like humans that well, is like one that's of, why they look in the comic books yes but oh, that's what i'm saying like then whoever designed the comic books like that was a i think that is one of marvel's biggest flaws but i think it's but it's also like, like there are there are humanoid ones but there are also ones that don't look like humans we have a fucking raccoon and a tree and okay both things from earth <laughs> and like uh um uh thanos and gamora and who's the nebula they they're all Humanoid. So I want everyone to meet Jordan. Uh, in order to build things up, he tears things that I love down. Listen, I'm just voicing my opinions. Am I wrong? I mean, yeah, it, like, no, but, like, it's also understandable that, like, if you, it's an alien, it's a human playing an alien on screen. Right. Like, but, like, we are not in, like, the 60s or 70s anymore. We have the technology. We have the talent. We have the money. Yeah. We have the creative forces to do something different. But is your don't. point that there that, that this movie kind of provides a reason as to why the, these aliens look humanoid because they are mirrors? Not really. There's there's more like there's more to this, but then I, I get it was to just it. A point. Don't get say off that. Marvel. Don't do that. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. Like honestly, I mean, you know why? You know why uh, Gamora is not a four-legged dog, so she can be Zoe fucking Saldana, right? Like, but like, even if you look at like Avatar, very humanoid. So she just, can be Zoe fucking Saldana. <laughs> I'm saying like, so they can be like tall and lanky with tails. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. No, it's I the same you. thing. Yeah. But I think people do this because I think you're exactly right. Like, you don't want Star Lord to. It's. It, I think it's. I think the audiences would find it weird if Star Lord kind of fell in love with something that wasn't immediately human. Um, I, yeah, I, I get it. I get it's more digestible to a bigger audience. But growing up, I was like, aliens they need they need work because if you think alien, you always think of that like stereotypical like triangle head, green body, black eyes, frog hands, you know. And oh, oh, like you're like a like a like a raindrop, like an upside down raindrop. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So no, I, I was, I was like, why is that the universal thing for Alien? I didn't get it. I even like, I designed myself a poster that I had up in my, um, in my room for forever. It said like something like bullet break cliche or something. But like, it sort of that became my mantra growing up. I was like trying to think of things that like outside He's so cutting of, edge, ladies and gentlemen. Don't are you mocking me? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. 
So throughout my research, I came across a video that brought up a quote from Douglas Adams, A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is one of my favorite books. It is so funny and so clever. I highly recommend it. But in the book, it describes very briefly a species of aliens called Huluvu. And a Huluvu is a super intelligent shade of the color blue. (laughs) So my point with this Uh, is sort of to wrap up the discussion I made earlier about the things that sort of might exist that we don't know exist, something that we have zero reference for because we have zero means to actually sense it. Like imagine being able to experience a new color and how like revolutionary and life shattering that would be, or like just a new sense altogether. So when I say this movie reinvented the wheel for me, like this is what I meant. Like of course, it had to have something familiar, as all art does, but like it was something that was mainstream enough to be completely revolutionary. Um, so like while it was maybe hard to digest or maybe it was cerebral, I think it was cool enough for the general audience to still digest, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm talking both its visual and its score. And I think like I'm like Ventress in a way where I kind of like I want to get to the root of the mystery and I want to explore ideas at their core, even if it means self-destruction or to be cheesy annihilation. <laughs> um, but this man, <laughs> the, the mantle bulb at the end, it was symmetrical and had fractal properties that is, again, very often represented in nature. Uh, it's sort of like if you think of a snowflake or tree roots or lightning or a nautilus shell, it's it's math, it's patterns, it's physics, it's the Fibonacci sequence, it's the perfect ratio. It's it's all over nature. It's repeated in nature. And um, it's it's what you and I, like it's what designers and photographers use for compositions. Like you, you know about the golden ratio, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it, If you don't, like look that up. It's very, it's very fascinating. So basically, like he was able to take something familiar, even if we don't immediately recognize it as familiar, but it's something that can be found in our universe and brought to a medium that we can digest. And it's beautiful and marvelous. And he gave us something that we didn't know didn't exist. And that's what I think I love so much about this movie. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah. I think that the way hearing you talk about it with such reverence, I think really does increase my respect for it as well especially pointing out that yeah there are things in this in this reality that we can't perceive and this movie turns that on its head and and, yeah god i'm like speechless like i genuinely think that this is a a movie that i really hope that it's like studied i hope that i hope that it is revered as well unfortunately it will have to and this isn't a bad thing but you know re, uh, resorting to like cult status you know that it typically means that a movie didn't do great in the beginning and or you know it had something to overcome yeah and obviously this movie has had something to overcome with not being able to to make that much money and yeah like very well received so i do think that it will stand the test of of time and will find an audience moving forward. And especially, especially when someone like you can draw so much from it, you know what I mean? Like there's so, there's so much meat there and for you to be able to take all of that away and all of that, that's great. And I hope that more people can do what you've done. That's, and that's, I think that's why I want so badly for directors to take chances and to take risks and do stuff like this. It's so important 
uh, yeah. to me. I don't know. It's also important though that when a director does something like this and you 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 know it's going to happen, don't wait for streaming. If it go see it, pay to yeah. go see it. <laughs> Try to get your friends to go see it because yeah. that's the only way that that mid budget movie is not going to forever be on streaming. Yeah. And sure, you know, streaming's great. I love to be able to watch a movie on my big screen TV, pause it and go pee. Like that's great, but the the theater experience, um, seeing this movie, I did go see it in theaters, and I was blown away. You know what yeah. I mean? And sure, I'm blown away watching it on any screen, but like I do think that there are certain movies, regardless of how much they cost to make, how epic in scale they are, that deserve to be seen on a big screen, and this could is certainly one of them. Yeah, could yeah. not agree more. I I saw this probably four times in theaters just because like. Yeah. To, to see that end scene, you, you, you just have to do it justice on a big screen. There's, there's, yeah. yeah. There's just one last little note, kind of trivia stuff. Apparently the original script ended in a way that was sort of even more ambiguous. And it led you to wonder even more if it really was Lena that made it out of the lighthouse. But I also heard that it ended with a meteor shower <laughs> showing that like a ton of these meteors were we're like the one like crashing into earth and it's sort of the shimmer would ha- be happening all over the place. I think that would have been the only thing that could have made that ending better as a meteor shower. That would have been, <laughs> I don't, I think I, I like the original ending. I think that probably would have been overkill if we just saw this meteor shower, but like, it's interesting to wonder the, the, that would be just to think like, Oh, this is going to happen to like everywhere, mm-hmm. you know? But I mean like even, even, in this movie, like there's, they have no idea how to stop it. It's just yeah. gradually growing. You know what I mean? It will eventually, but then at that point, that spread at, anyway, at that point, it really does seem like a calculated attack. And yeah. that would go against my thoughts of this. Like that would go against why I love this movie so much. Like it's not just a random occurrence in nature. Like it would be, it would be a calculated attack and it would be a reason for us to like want to, rebel against nature and yeah yeah i don't like that did you want to bring up uh some audience feedback about this yeah yeah, yeah. i just wanted to uh mention a couple of the audience um, comments that we got about this movie jake who is one of our patreon supporters mentioned that it annihilated his brain and like (laughs) to be honest with you i felt the same way i still kind of feel the same way it's a good annihilation it's it's positive. It's never going to be a movie that I think I fully can like put my finger on and be like, I got you. I no, get it. You know this, I, mean? I feel like I could study this movie for years and yeah. just really dive into the philosophy of it all. It brings up so many questions and existential uh, yeah. dilemmas. And yeah, I totally but, get that. But what's important about Jake's comment is that, you know, he, it, it seems positive. It seemed like he, you know, liked this movie and that this movie's crazy, weird, you know, ending didn't turn him away. And another comment that we got from our friends over at That's Not a Movie, That's a Podcast was that Annihilation is a great lesson on how to do a suspense film. Okay, yeah. Portman, yeah, like Natalie Portman shines in her best work since Black Swan. Totally agree. I think mm-hmm. this is her best work. Ah, see, Black Swan's such a different kind of character it's certainly more of a i think she probably has more emotion and and, and more to express range wise in black swan um however i think this is 
way more of like a subdued, subtle performance. Yeah. And but you can see the emotion and the just like in the last scene of this movie. I mean, oh my god! Like I just go back and just watch her. There's so much <laughs> other things to watch. Watch Natalie Portman at the end of this movie. And they also say that the twist ending alone is worth the price of admission. Hell yes, it is. So like twist ending alone, like what are we what are we gathering that the twist is? I would assume the eyes. Like the eye the fact that her eyes start to glow. And it's sort of like, oh, you think it's over, you think that she's sort of escaped this this thing unharmed, but really it's kind of inside her the whole time. Gotcha. Is that what you okay. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just like thinking it, it further lends credence to my idea that maybe, you know, this isn't the whole story and that maybe there is something more malicious going on. I don't know. Just an idea. Just an idea. I don't wanna um uh ruin your your favorite movie. But you I can I only like, it's interesting to think of. It's like an interesting th- fan theory. You can only invent something revolutionary every couple of hundred years, so I don't think that I don't think that they'd get as lucky for a sequel. They'd have to really impress me for a sequel if they were to make one. No, I totally agree. I wouldn't want them. Honestly, like, I'm I'm totally okay. Like, this is a weird uh, circumstance, and I know it kind of goes in the face of what I've been saying, but, like, I, you know, all of these actors and the director will be fine. Uh, I'm glad this movie uh is is in the situation it's in i don't i don't want another one because i think it's perfect as is i you know obviously i want them to be rewarded for their amazing work but it's okay that they that this is not going to move forward and get a what are the other ones called like i remember acceptance is one of them but some there's some other it's uh annihilation is the first one authority is the second one and acceptance is the third one yeah Gotcha. Yeah. So if we're not going to get an authority next year, I'm not. I'm not upset about that. But no. Very. Um, authority is more of a spinoff than a sequel, because it's well, it, it is after the expedition, but it's not the same. It's a completely new team. So I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe someday then. But like, if if Alex Garland were to do something, like if he were to say, "Okay, I'll come back and do it," that's like that's probably like the only reason that I would want to. Just because, yeah. like, this specific vision is the only one I want. Not because, like, I love him as a filmmaker. I'm not a big fan of Ex Machina. I mean, this is a, this is a wonderful movie, but, you know, it's not like he's blown me away with his other stuff. But I want that specific vision. If something like that ever happened, if something weird transpired and they were like, well, we're going to give this another shot, it has to be him. Or See, I would agree, but then I had just had a thought flash through my mind. Um, we just saw It Chapter 2, and I don't think there's anyone else that I can think of that has the creativity to create monsters and universes better than Andy Muschietti. How yeah. awesome would it be if he took on like a sci-fi movie like this? I would, I would want him to do something original, I worry that he's going to get mixed up. He's he's signed on to do Flash now, and I'm worried yeah. he's going to get mixed up in this like kind of system where it's like he's he's not doing anything original. And I really like Mama. Now I'm not even sure if Mama's original, but like I really want him to do original work. A Mama at least is is not as well known as it and the Flash, you know. But like that's what I'm saying. Like he's I feel like he's done horror 
And that's, yeah. I feel like that's it. But if he were to take more of a sci-fi route, like imagine what he could come up with then. I don't know. All I think, I think that particular filmmaker, I think you bring up Andy Muschietti. I think, uh, there's really no genre that I wouldn't follow him into. Oh, absolutely. And honestly, after this, like, uh, the same with Alex Garland. Like, again, he's, you know, I'm not a big fan of Ex Machina, but, you know, to have made this, I, I'm definitely going to to follow him moving forward. And now I'm thinking, oh, maybe he released a movie that I don't know about. I'm going to sound like a dumbass. But um, <laughs> those are the only two that I'm familiar with. Okay, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're hoping that you have um, enjoyed what we've been talking about. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't, God, please tell us why. Yeah, yeah. I think I said that in take one or two. Like, I am dying to know what you didn't like about this movie so I can shut you down. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I didn't actually do that. Well, like, I I can, again, understand that some people probably thought it was, like, a little bit too cerebral and a little bit too too much for them to handle. And maybe, like, maybe the ending was, came off as pretentious to some people. Maybe, I'm just so on the other side of the fence of that. Like, I really admire bold risk-taking and... They, I think it was a risk in being like, this isn't going to make a damn bit of sense to anyone. <laughs> and uh, it, you know, it didn't. Not to me, but I, I love it. Yeah, I'm still like slightly confused and baffled, but like that's part of the ride. I think that's what makes it fun. So yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thank you for talking about this. Thank you for letting me. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but uh, next week... Uh, will be a quick take, but the week after that, I believe we're doing Scream. So if you have any thoughts on that genre, you all should let us know. You should reach out. Yes, 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 yes. So that episode will uh, be the opposite. I think I, you're going to have to let me go. But I also, like, I'm very curious to talk. I mean, obviously we've talked about it before, but I really want to hear your current thoughts and uh, having watched it again now uh, about Scream. Like, you will probably have watched it by the time this episode comes out. Are you talking to them or, for, or to me? You. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. you. I'm just – no, I'm just saying I'm excited to talk to you about Scream again. Okay. Basically. You, you word it in a way that you're like, oh, I hope I hope that you're able to talk about this. And I'm like, are you firing me for the next like, – yes. am I not expected to be in no. that episode? Or? What I, I get – my, my first point was like basically like – the roles are going to switch. I'm going to be talking a lot in that episode. Our guest Shelly is going to be talking a lot in that episode. Yeah. But then I'm like, I also really hope that you will talk. Oh, a lot I see. In that I episode. see. Yeah, no, probably. I'll I have had like a, a point. I just say. What'd you say? I said I'll have a sentence or two to say. Okay, good. That's all we. <laughs> that's all we'll allow anyway. <laughs> all right. This has gone on way too long. Yeah, and you have to edit it. It's your turn to do the outro, right? No, it's my turn. Ah, bitch. It's my turn. All right, I got to get to that. All right, I'll see you guys in a couple seconds. Hey, listeners. Jordan here. I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to me gush about my favorite movie. I sincerely appreciate it. And congratulations if you've made it this far. If you're interested in hearing more episodes, you can always visit us at take3amp.com. If you have any questions or comments that you want brought up in a future episode, feel free to email us at take3amp at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on social media for news, updates, or discussion, feel free to follow 
follow us at Take3AMP on all major social media sites, and those are all the number three. This episode was produced and edited by Jordan Sato and Nicholas Crawford, and it would tremendously help us if you guys left a rating review on iTunes. It would mean so much to us. It would let us know how we're doing, and it helps us reach more listeners. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we will be back next Friday for a quick take. You can also get our episodes a day early by subscribing to our Patreon, which can be found at www.patreon.com slash take3amp. Again, that's the number. We have some pretty awesome perks available, including episodes that are exclusively available to our Patreon supporters starting at only five bucks, as well as opportunities to get stickers and merch so you can brand yourself with your favorite podcast. Otherwise, we'll see you back here next Friday. And until then, happy listening.